And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside, and on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and they will deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked, and flogged, and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left, in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit on my right hand and my left hand is not mine to grant, but it is for those for whom it has been prepared by my father. And when the other ten heard this, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you, but whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. Even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent, but they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Please keep your Bibles open. What if I was to tell you that this morning I got uh, a ring at the doorbell and uh, I went down to the stairs to the front door to answer it. And uh, I sort of, as I sort of blearily opened the door, I saw Boris Johnson standing there in front of me. And he said, uh, oh, hello, hello Rob. Um, good to see you. Are you having a nice morning? Yeah. Um, and uh, I said, Boris, oh, it's so good to see you. Um, I, d- I don't know what to say, what what can I do? You know, what do you need? What is it you want? And he said, he replied, um, actually, Rob, I'm here because I want to do something for you. What do you want me to do for you? Can you imagine that? I mean, you're obviously, you obviously know that's not the case. And uh, you're all cynics anyway. So you're probably thinking, oh, if he did do that, um, there'd be a photographer there standing nearby. But that's the point, isn't it? That we do want a picture of a leader who is humble and wants to serve. Don't we? When you see someone who's great, who goes out of his way to take time for someone, that's amazing, isn't it? It catches our breath. We're sort of like, did that really happen? Can it be this good? We're not expecting it. But what we see in the disciples here that we're going to see is something we're far more used to and that's people jostling for position wanting to be the best wanting to get ahead of other people that's what we're used to isn't it 
I'm sure there's been lots of situations this week where you found yourself just, maybe it's your own kind of, I want to get in front of that person. I just don't want them to cut in front of me. Now, I'm sure lots of you are good at queuing, standing in line patiently, uh, far better than I am. But I'm sure if someone cut ahead of you in that line, your feelings would be quite different, wouldn't they? You know, suddenly you wouldn't be so patient. You'd be sort of mentally thinking what you'd like to do that you'd do to that person if they were a little bit closer or within arm's reach. Um, or maybe you're hoping they catch coronavirus or something. Um, but this, let's look at this passage today and see how the disciples are behaving towards one another. So let's look. James and John have clearly been speaking to their mum. Okay. And what they've clearly been telling their mum about what Jesus has been saying, I think, is verse 28 of the last chapter. If you look at that, chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus said to them, Truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me, the disciples, will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. That's what Jesus has literally just said in the last chapter. So when Jesus asks James and John's mum, what she wants when she comes to him in verse 21. Well, he asked in verse 20, uh, he said to her, what do you want? And she said to him this, say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left. So it's not just the, the thrones, sitting on thrones in the kingdom that Jesus is going to, but it's that throne the one at your right and the one at your left. The position of honour. If you have a, a party, a wedding banquet, who are the people who are sitting next to the, the people of honour, the guests of honour? Well, they're called the guests of honour, aren't they? Because they're the ones on the top table, sitting at the right and the left. Left. Well, there is a right confidence to our request, though. We've got to get that. She believes what Jesus says about the future. Doesn't she? And she wants to get ready for it. In fact, she actually seems to want what's best for her boys. Okay, it's probably in part certainly for her. But she's quick off the mark, isn't she? I think she's quite an extraordinary woman. Proactive, bold, goes up to Jesus, says, Jesus, come on. You're going to fix us up. You're going to give us the good seats. Who doesn't want to secure something for themselves from time to time? We're happy for others to have something, but only really if we've got, got it instead as well. So, okay, I've got it. You can have it too. But not if I miss out. You might be asking, what's the harm in that? Okay. Bit of self-promotion. I mean, Twitter, Instagram, what's TikTok? Bit of self-promotion. Sure, it might not show much consideration for other people. And that's obvious, isn't it? We want the, the best seats. Um, but, if we, but if we don't do that, surely we're going to miss out on something. And we're going to get overlooked. So isn't that a good thing to do? Self-promotion. Well, the other disciples thought like that. And we see that anger at the two, at the two in verse 24. Jesus' response, though, to them is in verse 22. His first response is this. 
If you don't want to look at verse 22, and this will take us into our second point. Jesus says this in verse 22. You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? And we're going to have a think about this cup. Why is Jesus talking about a cup? Is it something about the, the banquet in heaven? or what, you know, What's this cup? Well, it's the cup of God's anger. Where's Jesus been speaking about? What's the destination he's been speaking about? The cross? A particular place? Where's the place they're headed to? Jerusalem, okay. You can see that in verse 17. As they were going up to Jerusalem, he took the twelve disciples aside and on the way he said to them, See, look, we are going up to Jerusalem. So the cup is in reference to what is going to happen at Jerusalem. And Jesus has not been like cryptic about what is going to happen at Jerusalem. He says that he is going to suffer and die. Okay. The one who they thought was going to be the greatest and be the hero is going to lay down his life. That's odd, isn't it? Well, we'll see why in a minute. But the disciples may proudly think that they can join him in this, but actually it's something that Jesus must do alone. And the closer we get to the cross, we see all of them running off. Jesus goes to the cross alone. He has to do it for them. Jesus is speaking of his death, where he's going to lay down his life. He's spoken of Jerusalem many times, and even just prior to this request. So if you look at verse 18, he says, See, we are going up to Jerusalem. And the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death, and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified. The Son of Man, is him, will be mocked, flogged and crucified. Okay, so we, we know the details of his death now. It's not pretty, is it? It's not just sort of, I'm going up to die. It's, I'm going to be mocked, I'm going to be flogged, and I'm going to be crucified. And this is in reference to him taking the cup of God's anger. Drinking the cup that they, they, they should have drunk, but that he will drink for them. So let's have a think about those three things, those three words, mocked, flogged, and crucified. And let's compare them, really, to uh, the idea that we can promote ourselves or, or, or take push ourselves forward and be the best well Jesus is not speaking about a rise to the top is he he's speaking about a a descent to the depths taking the worst position ever not the seat of honour but a, a cross so he says I will be mocked he's not going to have people's admiration and praise people saying we love you Jesus they're going to be scorning him and ridiculing him He's going to be flogged, so it's not slaps on the back, you know, you've done a great job. It's going to be beatings with a rod. And crucifixion itself is not uh, for the the honourable ones, it's for criminals. The place of maximum treason and shame. Just the very fact that Jesus is on the cross, people are going to think, you're the lowest of the low, Jesus. That's what they're going to think of him. And who's going to be doing that? He says, I am the son of man. The son of man is going to be on the cross. That's just an odd 
combination of things, okay? If I was to talk about hot ice cubes or, you know, bright darkness or, you know, those kind of contradiction of terms. Because son of man, what does son of man mean? Well, it means the one who's been given authority over heaven and earth. All things. He is the son of God and he will reign forever and receive all honour, glory and praise. So to, to take son of man and to put it with crucified which he does in that verse, it's just absurd, isn't it? What's going on? Why is Jesus talking about this now to the disciples? Why is Jesus talking about this at all? Well, Jesus is the great one who stands among them. And yet he is going to lay all that aside and get this to serve them. That's what Jesus says, isn't it, in that verse? Uh, Verse 28. uh, I put it on your sheet. Uh, Verse 28, towards the end, he says, The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. To give his life as a ransom for many. He came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, why is Jesus' death going to be serving us? Why does it serve anyone? Have you thought about that? It's sort of a bit random, isn't it? Like him saying, I'm, you know what, I'm going to serve you, and then he goes off and gets crucified. Usually when people serve people, they're sort of like living rather than dying. Have you ever thought about that? Well, it's in that word ransom, and it's linked to that word about the, what Jesus talked about, the drinking the cup. Because the cup of God's anger is at sinners. When we do evil, when we live away from God, we deserve his anger. We all deserve it. And the disciples deserved it. Why would you need a ransom if someone wasn't in trouble? If, if everyone was okay and getting on happily with their lives and there was no problem at all, why would you need a ransom? You only need a ransom if someone is enslaved. What are they enslaved to? Well, they're enslaved to their sin, to, to evil that they do and to denying God and living without him in the world. And if you see anything that you can spot that you think that looks evil in other people, well, sure, sure as anything, it's going to be in your heart too. And the problem is us and the evil that we do. So Jesus saying, hey, look, I am going to do this for you. And that this is going to be the way that you can be friends with God again. That's amazing, isn't it? That he is so great and yet he would be willing to do such a thing in order to serve us. Now we start to see what Jesus is doing here with the disciples. Because the truth of the cross, it humbles us, doesn't it? The reason it humbles us is because it says I'm helpless. (laughs) I'm helpless. And I need Jesus to help me. And when we're proud, that's the opposite. Pride is to say I don't don't need help. No one needs to help me. I can do this myself. You see it in children, don't you? I mean, my son is two. And uh, pride is him saying I can do it myself, daddy. Now, once in a while, he's humble enough to say, help, help. 
He does say help, which is cute. But Jesus helps us by laying down his life, by taking the cup of God's anger and drinking it all the way down so there's nothing left. The cup's, the cup's empty. That anger will not come to sinners if they are in the security of the cross. If Jesus has saved them and died for them, they need not face it themselves. Well, this brings us to the heart of what Jesus is going to say, to the, or what Jesus is saying to the disciples. And it's there, if you want to look at it. In verse 26. And this brings us on to our third and final point. Jesus says... But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be your slave. And it goes into verse 28. So when God humbles someone to see that they need saving, they can actually serve others. Proud people don't serve anyone but themselves. But humbled people, people who have seen that they were helpless and that God did everything to help them, can then help others and be humble to serve. Jesus speaks about it three times in those verses, doesn't he? Verse 27 to 28. Uh, Sorry, verses 25 to 27. Let's read those. Jesus called them to him and said, well, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them. Gentiles is just the nations, so you think of any ruler of any country um, back in those days. They lord it over them. They use their position, their authority, to do what? Well, to serve themselves. It's great. I've got all these people and they do what I say. And they're harsh and they serve themselves and they lord it over them and they have authority over them. That's what he says in that verse. But then he says this, he says, it shall not be so among you. It's got to be the opposite of that for my people. And then he says, whoever would be great among you has to become a servant. And whoever wants to be first should become a slave. They should literally give up their rights. Give up their life to serve others and not themselves. It's pretty striking, isn't it? That the way of Jesus, to follow Jesus, actually means not living for myself anymore. We're going to have to think about what that is because, you know, that's just, that's pretty big, isn't it? And it actually gets bigger because... (laughs) There's a connecting word, two connecting words between verse 27 and 28. Have a look at them. Start with verse 28. What does it start with? Even as. Two words, yeah? Even as. It means just as, in the same way as. In the same way as what? In the same way that Jesus has laid down his life at the cross. So all the while we were thinking this was just a simple case of, you know, trying to put others first from time to time and just being a bit courteous when you stand in line. It's not that at all. It's it's much bigger than that. Even as, just as, in the same way as, Jesus has gone to the cross. Now that raises the bar, doesn't it? 
It's not just a simple case of me sort of being a bit more thoughtful. This raises the bar. And what that does is it challenges me, I think, in two ways. Challenges me because at first it shows me my heart. I don't really want to serve people like this. I mean, you guys are nice, but I don't really want to serve you like this. Most of the time, pretty much all the time, to be honest. Secondly, it shows how entirely beyond us, beyond me, this is. I'm just, I'm just not going to be able to do it. And so it will bring us to our knees to ask for God's help. If it's a heart issue, then it's absolute, there's absolutely nothing achieved by just gritting your teeth and forcing yourself to do it. That's not going to achieve anything. If you don't want to do it, that's not going to change your heart. And it's not going to change my heart. We need God to show us what's going on in our hearts so that we can be honest and ask the question, why don't I want to do this, Jesus? Well, let's have a think about that question together. Why don't I don't want to do this? Well, it depends who you are, doesn't it? Depends if you've started to follow Jesus or not. If you're not a Christian, well, Jesus is calling you to know him, but the reason you need a ransom is because you're enslaved to yourself. To live for yourself. Sin is the ultimate selfishness, isn't it? Don't care what God thinks. I'll do what I want. Don't care what effect it has on other people. I'll do what I want. But isn't it remarkable that there's someone so great as Jesus, as God himself, is calling you to know him and to see that he serves you. Isn't that an amazing thing? Someone who doesn't just care and ask about your needs, but who actually goes to every length to meet your greatest need. With his loving sacrifice. Let's see how Jesus responds to those who come to him for help in the very next scene. And it's just in verses 29 to 32. Yeah, let's read that. And as they went out of Jericho, a great crowd followed him. And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. Jesus stops. He's got pretty important things to do, right? We know what he's going to do. He's got important things to do. He's an important person. He stops. And he calls out to them and said, what do you want me to do for you? Isn't that amazing? The God of the universe came to earth to ask people, what do you want me to do for you? And the biggest thing he can do for them is to grant his mercy. To bring them into relationship with him. To save them. They say to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus in pity touched their eyes and immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. His whole demeanour is servant-like, isn't it? He's asking them, what do you want me to do for you? Quite simply, Jesus serves them. And he serves them by opening their eyes. The physical healing reflects a spiritual reality. You know, this is 
physical blindness, but it reflects a spiritual reality, which is they couldn't see who Jesus is, and now they do. And they go and follow him. So wouldn't that be a great thing to ask of him? The question is, what do you want Jesus to do for you? What's your answer going to be? Is it, Lord, make me see? Have mercy on me? That would be a great prayer. So if you're not a Christian, Jesus is calling you to know him. To see that he is the great one. God himself who is willing to serve you by laying down his life on the cross. So that you could be forgiven. See your helplessness and your need of him. Some people think that just going to church makes someone a Christian. Okay? Notice here that the Christian life is not about services. It's about serving. We sort of think that being a Christian is what we do for two hours on a Sunday morning. It's not. I mean, that will set the tone, surely, but it's a whole life. It's to become like a servant, to serve others, not ourselves anymore. It's a, it's a massive thing to become a Christian. It's going to change everything we do, isn't it? But it would be a mistake, and some people would do this. They would think that Jesus is saying, what gets us into God's kingdom, what gets us to heaven is our serving. So all I need to do is serve a bit more and then I'll get to heaven. He's not saying that, is he? Because to, do, to say that is to try and do it without Jesus and without the cross. To, want, to try to do that is to say, I'm going to try and be a Christian without Jesus and without the cross. I'm not going to make a blind bit of difference. It will actually make us more proud and more selfish. We can't get ourselves to heaven. We need him to do it for us. Perhaps we've seen that in ourselves this week. Pride lying behind the damaged relationships and the bad choices we've been left with. And even the good we do for other people maybe has the bitter taste of pride. (laughs) I'm a good person. You see? It can actually be a sign of our pride. So if you're... If you would go to church and think that being a Christian is just about services, see that it's about serving others and knowing first that you have been served by the Most High God. He has served you and that humbles us to serve others. If you're a Christian here, and I know quite a lot of you actually, um, we we hang out together, don't we? (laughs) Um, so we get to know each other, you know, rather than just being a super, superficial, hi, how are you, okay, see you next week. Um, and actually, as I thought about this, serving others, and I thought of the people that I know here, I could see how God has been at work in us, in you, in this way. You're, you're not serving yourself. You're serving other people, I can, I can see that. And for that I want to rejoice and give God praise to see that he is doing that work in you. It's a sign of his work in you. I'm not going to give any examples, partly because I don't want you to blush, but also because I think the danger is that we'll swap whatever my example is with the example that Jesus gives on the cross. 
And then it's sort of like, we'll be, okay, we'll do that thing instead. Because it's easier, we could just tick the box and say, oh, I've cooked a meal for someone. See, I've given you an example. Don't, don't just think of cooking a meal. Think of Jesus' example on the cross. That's what it means to serve us. That's what it means to serve others. Um, but as you think through the different places God has put you in, maybe your workplace, your family life, it is good to ask, how is this an opportunity to serve others? You might, be amazing, you might find some amazing things when you start to ask that question. How is this an opportunity to serve others? And interestingly, how is this an opportunity to serve others by showing them who Jesus is? You know, there's something to think about as we go away and think about that. And when we don't want to serve others, when we notice that, it's good to ask the honest question, isn't it? Why don't I want to serve them? Just be honest. Because actually, seeing our hearts, what they're really like, and being honest about that is something that God does for us and he helps us to see our hearts so so why don't I want to serve them I thought of three reasons okay number one I'm too important number two they're too undeserving or in brackets they wouldn't do this for me okay three oh it's too much to ask you know just you know It's another thing. It's too much to ask. No. (laughs) Take those excuses to Jesus and his big payment of death on the cross and what do you get? Well, as we come to him in prayer and we say, Jesus, these are the reasons. Maybe I just, the real reason is I think I'm, I'm too important here. Maybe the real reason is I think they're too undeserving. Maybe the real reason is I think they're asking too much. And then we find that Jesus is far more important than any of us. But he served us. We find that we were entirely undeserving of it. But he served us. And we find that there's no greater length than to the cross. And he did it for us. So I think as we come with our honest answers to that question, why don't I want to serve? Why don't I want to serve them, perhaps? God will show us our heart and we can take, take those re- excuses really to the cross and say, well, you know, what's going on here? As we come up against our pride, we can come to him in prayer. It's only when we see our utter inability to love others as he has loved us will we ask for help. So that's the second thing, saying, Lord, I, I don't want to do, I can't do this. I don't love others as you love them. I don't love others to the degree that I, would, that I would do what you did for them. I just don't love them like that. And then we can come to him and ask him to help us to do it. But we'll only do that if we're humble. If we think, oh, this is a cinch, you know, I've got this. Serving others, it's just walk in the park. It's what I do. We won't really ask him for help, will we? But when we do ask, we we ask the one who was both loving enough to die for us, lay down his life, but also the one who was raised to life. So we see that in verse 
um, in verse 19. He will be raised on the third day. So we ask the one who has been raised to life. He didn't stay dead. He is in heaven interceding for us and we can, we can approach him boldly. He can provide whatever we ask, whatever we need to love and serve others and to love and serve them by wanting them to see who Jesus is. Like that man in the story, those two men. What do you want me to do for you? And then they see Jesus and they follow him. Should we pray? Let's pray. Father God, you sent your son, the greatest, the first in all creation, to take the last place, to take the place of criminals, of the lowest, of the outcasts. Uh, he went, he had the shame of the cross, and yet he did it to serve us. He did it because we were at, at odds with you, we were enemies of you, and we were enslaved to ourselves, our selfishness and pride. We didn't see that, we needed you to show it to us. We didn't, we couldn't do anything about it, even having seen it, and we still can't. So we, we thank you that you would do that for us. Please would you humble us at the cross. Make this not a message that just gets our back up and that we just sort of react badly to and we storm off and say, oh, what are they saying? What's God saying about me being a sinner? Would we be those who were humble to see your love for us? The great price you are willing to pay for our sins. And as we're humbled, would you humble us to serve? To be those who can go out with the good news of Jesus and serve others as you have served us. We know that's going to be hard. We know we're not going to want to do it. So we pray that we would be humble to ask you to continue the work that you have started in us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Be good to take some time of reflection um, just for the next few minutes. And we're going to do that by listening to a song uh, that is uh, going to be played for us. Uh, Sam is going to sing. Uh, we're just going to listen. Uh, so let's do that now.
Oh uh-huh.